Welcome to Waking Up to Grace with Lenny and Melissa. I'm Lenny and this is my wife, Melissa. And today we are going to be talking about the, the God's radical love and how the, the scripture unleashes God's radical love on Continuing us. Continuing our talk on that. Right? Yeah. So this will be part two. And uh, we just like this series so much that we're probably going to just continue on with this. I'm guessing. Uh, however, God leads us really, though, and uh, to keep going with this series because it, it's just uplifting and we don't get enough of this. You know, we you know, we can go to church from week to week and, you know, the focus is always on our sin and how we got to improve ourselves or, you know, how we can do better and to stay in fellowship. And, you know, it, it kind of takes this this focus of grace the way the apostles taught us to focus our our all of our efforts onto Christ and it kind of reverses us back onto ourselves, kind of like a, a rock star Christianity where we are the ones on the spot and we're the ones uh, deciding, well, what would Jesus do so that I can do the best thing that I could possibly do? But or is that all sounds good and all, but it's better than that. It's not, it's not, you know, that you're not thinking that you want to please, please God here. That's good. That's great. But, but what's better and what's better is what Jesus did. What's better than what would Jesus do? We always know what Jesus would do. He would do the right thing, whatever it is in every situation. But what did he do for us? And, and why does that matter so much? And so these grace passages are, are focused on his work and on his finished work and what it means to us and what we get from that. Not and, to mention, it's not even possible to do anything that pleases him without his grace. Exactly. So you can hear all these, you can hear sermon after sermon and get all pumped up. And I believe that's why people leave deflated because they realize, well, it's not possible when you're doing it on your own self-effort. It has to be. Yeah. Well, Jesus was pretty clear grace. on that, wasn't he? When, he when, the, when everybody asked him, well, what, what can we do to do the work of God? And he said, the work of God is this to believe in the one who he sent. That's right. And so that's that's what we're, to, you know, that's what the Christian does. And that's where the focus but, is. And notice that he says the work of God is this. He doesn't say your work to do is this. He said the work of God is this. And that's what's happening through you when you believe. That's a good point. Think about that. The work of God is this. He didn't say your work to the audience. He, he said he was very specific because it's God's work that goes through you that is is making the real magic happen. It's not all the things that we're doing and, uh, you know, boastworthy things that we can say about ourselves. You know, everybody probably knows somebody in the family or a friend that is highly regarded as the, the Christian of Christians. They did all the right things. Their, their, knee, their the knees on their jeans are worn out from all the prayer and you know, their, their Bible pages are torn from how many times they've, they've gone through the Bible and, you know, and uh, just, you, you, you just, that's not what it's about, is it, Melissa? I mean, Christianity is not about the Christian. It's about Christ. Right. It's not about what you did you're doing it's about what christ did i mean i correct myself in saying it's not about the christian because we're god's creative work as the scripture says we're god's creative work so it is about us but it's not about our efforts but why right why is it about us because we're the body of christ so that's that's why it's about us right and he and his work through us is is re, uh, remarkable so you want to read galatians melissa galatians 2 19 mm -hmm. this is a loaded passage loaded with grace 
And one of our favorites, huh? For good reason. Here we go. Yeah, let's do it. For through the law, I died to the law so that I may live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside God's grace, because if righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died for nothing! Exclamation point. What a passage. So you start out this passage, um, let's dissect this a little bit, or let's break this down, right? So... Through, uh, through the law, I died to the law, Paul says, so that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so you you have this picture he's painting that there's a, there was a death that took place before the life occurred. And so essentially what uh, what Christ did is killed our old selves. And he, he crucified, we were crucified with him at the cross. He took us with him spiritually to that cross, didn't he? And he killed yes. us. We died dead to sin. We had to. We were under the law and the law brings death. Yep. So in order to have life in. Shaking the camera a little, just so you know, <laughs> the table's a little. In order to have, uh, <laughs> yeah, in order to have life, we had to die to the law so that we may live to God. Yeah, so in the last uh in our last uh God's radical love series we talked about Ezekiel, right? How he took out our old uh heart of stone and gave us a new heart of flesh. Amen. And uh so there was a death that occurred on that operating table evidently. You know, when he took out that heart, he didn't he didn't hurry up to make sure, you know, it was still beating. He he just took it out, that old self, he's just set it aside. And then he, he, you know, we, we have this new self now. And so he describes he's been crucified as I no longer, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So that's what he's saying it's about. It's about Christ who lives in him now. And then he says, so the life I now, I now live in the body. I, I live because of the faithfulness of the son of God. And so the life he now lives. So he's alive again. Right. Right. He died. And now he's alive again. He's talking about a new life. Right. And why is he alive? And why does he have a new life? Because of his own faithfulness? Because of No, because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I love that translation. This is the NET translation. So yours might read a little bit differently. But that translation um, uh, has a lot of context to it because... Uh, in Romans, Paul says that uh, God distributes faith to each in different measure. And so God is the distributor of faith. He was in the Old Testament. He is now. Uh, but what we have now is so much greater than the Old Testament. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in, in some some messages to come. But I'm excited to talk about the fact that, you know, they kind of got the engagement ring, but we get the marriage. You know, they didn't get to experience uh, life in Christ in their lifetime. They experienced it after through the promise. He raised them up, you know, on the on the last day and, and brought him with them to heaven. But they didn't get to experience the marriage that we have this this physical being inside of us, you know, David and Psalms had to pray, don't take away your spirit. And, you know, uh, talking about how uh, created me a pure heart, 
I know he because said, he was only engaged. He could only see the promise from afar. He didn't know what marriage looked like. And everybody knows. If you're engaged, do you know what marriage looks like? Um, Go ahead, Melissa. I didn't mean to yeah, interrupt. No, that's, I was just saying, I, I think most people can relate to how mournful David's psalms are. Just mm -hmm. from the heart, crying out, begging uh, for what we have today. Yeah, and we shouldn't take that for granted. No, and so the so the next part of this passage, um, it, uh, I do not set aside God's grace, Paul says, because if righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And, and that passage kind of describes our ministry, I'd say, you know, and, and what we're uh, we're about. If any one passage, <laughs> even though That's it's all point. of Scripture, you know, I really take that one to heart because uh we can't set aside grace in any area. That one kind of pushed us over the edge, didn't it? God kind of used that one to really light a fire. Like there's a need for this. There are yep. too many, too, it's too hard to find um, good teachers that, that never set aside grace. Yeah. It seems in one way or another, they set it down for just a minute. I'll pick it right back up. But no, you do that and you're, even You're doing a disservice. And Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And then the Apostle Paul mentions yeast working through the whole batch of the dough. And uh, so just a little bit of self-effort, just, just a little bit of something that we can pride our flesh in is enough to ruin the whole batch of dough. And you'll, right. and you'll see it if uh, in, in teachings. If somebody, if somebody is under a, a doctrine of legalism in any area, of a of of scripture you'll see it in their teachings and if anything pro doesn't proclaim god as the sovereign one if anything doesn't proclaim god as as uh the one the the mighty lord god of the universe who created all things and whose plan is sovereign over all things if anything starts attributing things to the flesh and giving us more control over him it's it's a fleshly, worldly doctrine. We got to beware of the yeast. The gospel doesn't teach us that uh, that our self-effort can do anything. It says, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. nothing. And so, before before Christ opened our eyes, who where were we? We were apart from Him, weren't we? We were dead. So we, yeah, we were dead. And so we can't raise the dead. We didn't raise ourselves from the dead. So let's just keep that part in context and realize that we don't want to leave the door wide open to legalism. Because if you just start sprinkling that yeast uh, of you, you can make a decision in the flesh. You know, it sounds pretty on the surface. And I know this always comes up a lot, but the, the bottom line is that's, that doesn't jive with the gospel. The gospel says we can do nothing in the flesh. So it, it, unfortunately, the whole the whole theory goes against scripture and it just puts yeast in the message. And next thing you know, why not? You, you might as well not even pray for somebody who doesn't believe because they made the choice, you know, and, you know, all, what we really ought to do is be uh, be uh, be praying for them a lot because we could have been in that situation. That's couldn't right. we? And Christ tells us to pray in all things. How comforting any anything all things so so i take no included. confidence in the flesh I, I i take no uh pride in the in be in being able to say something like the oh the gospel is so easy the gospel is just so simple believing is so simple and that's somehow where people miss the mark because it's just so simple that's insulting to the intellect 
And in that what moment, I say is why, why God did you pick me? And thank you. Thank you. That that's a gospel view of, of the, you know, that, that topic. Because that's, you're not <laughs> setting aside grace. Right. You first way you said it, you, you took grace. You said, I'm just going to set it here for a minute and say, how do you, do people not choose this? It's so simple. I was yeah. smart enough to, okay, I'll pick grace back up. Well, in that moment, you sprinkled yeast on the message. Right. Exactly. And so, I mean, you can, and I, I'm not, I, I don't despise people that, that believe in free will. I, I personally think that they don't really believe it or they don't understand it well enough. And that's where the misinterpretation comes along. I'm not going to, you know, neglect them from some kind of fellowship if they really believe the gospel. You know, the you, you have to believe the gospel. But I, I think it's just so easy to get hung up on that free will message in our society today because the opposite has been demonized. It's It's truly been demonized, hasn't it? It has, yes. But the the bottom line is is that you know you can say you if you came to Christ on your own decision you can say well all I do is boast in Christ, but if you're boasting that you decided and that your will is what chose Christ, you're boasting in your decision, and then you're living the rest of your life boasting in Christ. So you're you proclaiming grace again for that moment yep. to boast in yourself. You were in the flesh, supposedly when you chose Christ. Yes, you officially you, were. Right. But when you supposedly chose him, because the truth is he chose you. Right. So that and, and it says that all over scripture, doesn't it? Right. But the point is you have you would have to set aside grace in order to take the credit at that moment. Yep. So, again, Paul says. I do not set aside grace. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, what happens is teachers uh, of free will tell you a half truth and it, and it distracts you it, and it'll distract you into thinking, oh, that's logical. They'll say, well, that's a Jew Gentile passage. But then they, they only give you half of the truth. They're leaving out the rest of the truth and, and they're surfacing over several passages that are very clear on, on God's sovereignty. And, um, and, and, and it just does damage to scripture. So it does it, like you said, it leaves the door open for legalism. Yep. And, and you'll find if you listen, there are some very good teachers out there, ones that know grace, uh, the gospel really well, but they do unfortunately set aside grace for that moment yep. to boast in themselves about coming to Christ. And then, and once you, if you watch, um, one of them, for example, and then start listening to some of their other messages, you'll start to see mm-hmm. where they continue it because that door was left open. They're creeping into legalism here, creeping in and there. You see it in their following. Their following is saying silly things like they're God's confused. will isn't always done. You know, you know, we, we have to, we have to take the initiative and, you know, you're putting, you're putting that burden on the people. The people are are creating the the painting of God's blank canvas that He created, and that's insulting to say that the God created this blank canvas and that the creation was going to do all of the the planning from there. And that's that's insulting to to God's grace. I'm sorry. It is. So, um, yeah. So you know, it really just comes down to that's not put confidence in the flesh. That's not set aside grace. That passage always just reminds me of how you don't want to set aside grace because here are some problems that come from that. You leave the door open. So you say, don't pray for non-believers. 
they're silly. They don't believe the simple truth. And then you could also say, well, we are the ones that have to turn people uh, into Christians. God can't do it. He left the canvas blank. It's up to us. And so now all of a sudden, are you really evangelizing from the heart? Do you really have any comfort knowing that you want you can go to sleep at night knowing that you didn't witness to that person that you passed by in the street? Maybe you should be barfing all over everybody with the gospel that comes near you because it's on us. We are in charge of their salvation under that doctrine. And that's a scary thing. And that doctrine is not the gospel. So here you've come away from the gospel. Yeah, that's just this is all an example of what a little bit of yeast yeah. to the whole bag. It seems to really it seems to really weigh heavy on the uh, uh, many, many areas of the faith, but evangelism especially. And it makes people feel bad. You know, if 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 it's up to your own free will, there's always going to be a burden. There's always going to be something that you're not doing enough of. You always set the set somebody up on that treadmill for a treadmill for a works-based salvation where you're not getting anywhere because you're relying on self-effort. You have to rest. You have to rest in Christ. And, and all of us who believe in the full gospel would attest to that. But some of us set aside grace in certain areas. And, and that affects the audience, affects the listeners, sometimes maybe more than the teacher. And maybe the teacher does understand the gospel, but when he throws that yeast in there, all of a sudden people are getting confused and you're actually leading people away. So, you know, it's it's my thinking that we should just be trying to help people, trying to get people to understand that God's got this one. You know, don't try to take the wheel from God. It's He's good. He's got this. It's his plan, and his plan will succeed from the beginning to the end. That's right. And that's that's a peaceful thing. Rest assured. You know, we talked there again. You know, we get on this topic. I can't help it. I can't help it because it's it's just a, a peaceful thing that I want other people to be able to delight in and stop calling God the evil puppet master and we're all robots. And this is just such a silly, silly thing to attack. God's sovereignty in such a way. You're not attacking me when you say that. You're not attacking grace teachers when you say those things. You're attacking God's sovereignty. And so what are you going to bring to the table on judgment day, you know, to God that that he didn't give you? What are you going to bring? You can't bring anything. So yeah. stop acting like it. Stop throwing that little yeast into the dough. Come on, you know, that's Let's just encourage each other not to do those things and to to read scripture. Let's pray and see what the author meant by scripture, right? And what did the author mean when he, he wrote writes all these passages? And you know, we're we're gonna have plenty of sermons on that. This one wasn't really meant to be about that. It just uh kind of happened. I guess I guess I guess it was just uh meant to be that we were gonna talk about this on this. Well, we have a lot of passion on that. It's an area that really needs help. Um, in our world today, in the in the Christian world today, yep. really needs help. It's very difficult to find a teacher out there, and we have searched. <laughs> We're definitely, I'm sure um, people can relate. It's very difficult to find a teacher that understands full grace and God's full sovereignty. And so we just, we, want we people see to a have need peace. and we want to help. Because we want people is. to have full peace. Right. You know, and it's like you you can there's a lot of legalism and God's sovereignty teaching, too. I'm not I'm not saying that everybody that teaches that God is in full control doesn't add their own yeast. 
Because it'll be like, well, what makes you one of the elect? You know, what are your works? How do you know you were chosen? And it turns into this big thing. It, it, it really, the simplicity of the matter is that when God tells us the sign of our salvation, it's when we believe. It's that simple. So it doesn't really matter what what theology you believe in, free will or predestination. Our sign from God that we're one of his is our belief. And so if you have that, you know that you're good, you have salvation, but, but why, do, why do people want to attribute that to themselves? Why is that? Why do they want to attribute, you know, the, the sign that God gives us, you know, and, and the, the clarity of God giving us, this is when you know you're a believer, uh, when, you, when you're in Christ, when you believe, you know, that's clear. It's crystal clear, no matter what you believe, no matter what you believe, somebody's going to heaven and somebody's going to hell. And you can come up with a million reasons why, you know, if God left it up to us, he shouldn't have done, you know, then he's evil. Or if, if God created us some for destruction and others not, then, then he's evil, you know. But I mean, we see it in scripture, you know, even if you make all, all these uh, passages about God's sovereignty into Jew and Gentile passages, why did the Gentiles not get the prophets? Why did the Gentiles not get all that the Israel got? And why wasn't all of Israel uh, saved? You know, I mean, it's just, he didn't even give the law and the prophets to the Gentiles at all. He chose not to, to, to display his sovereignty. So it is an example of Jew and Gentile. But it, if you look at it in text of all of scripture, it's also... God's God's sovereign decision over who he was going to create for what to be part of his plan. And that is up to him. Like, like uh, Paul tells us in Romans that does not the potter have the right yeah. to make the clay into what he will. And, and as God tells Job, were you there? Yeah. Uh, what, were you there? <laughs> why are you trying to be above me? Basically. Exactly. Right. And we were talking this morning about, uh, and I guess we are, uh, we're, uh, well, this is about grace, though. So this is all about God's amazing grace and yeah. his sovereignty. Um, but I guess we'll continue a little more on the topic because it is such a, Might as well. a great topic. Um, we were talking this morning about what is it? Okay. What, what are people so afraid of when it comes to predestination? Um, it's gotten, as you mentioned, a really bad rap. It's it's called evil. What is it about it that's evil? What upsets you? What mm -hmm. if you're somebody that doesn't believe in it? Um, I know we find that uh, a lot of the really good grace teachers that that really have a good handle on grace, they get you can see they get upset when people ask about predestination. Um, like you said, evil puppet master. Well, they not only get upset, what? but they go off on, uh, they start breaking their own rules. They start pulling things out of context. They start skipping over details in the passage. And Something. it just becomes out of control. But all the while, they look very composed while they're saying it. <laughs> well, something tips them off, though. My point is just, what is it about it? What upsets you? What scares you? Let's break it down. What is it about it? Because the truth is, without God's sovereignty, zero people would be saved. None. Because we were all yeah. dead. We were all born dead. Yeah. And what can you do when you're dead? This, nothing. The yeah. answer is nothing. Zero. So without God's sovereignty, nobody is saved. So you mean you can't sell the gospel in a graveyard? 
No. <laughs> so we need to realize, we need to get it out of our heads that it's evil. It's uh, so like what a, about the blank canvas? If if the world was a blank canvas and we, the adventurous Christians, need to make this a painting, where's the purpose in that? Where's God's purpose in that? There's a lot. If of... God is the painter, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. It's all up to us to create this canvas. And, you know, he just he just put Adam and Eve in the garden and that was it. Just let it fly. I don't know about you, but let I'm... it fly. Whatever happens, happens. And you know what? I was thinking about sending my son. That's not what it's. It doesn't say he was thinking about sending his son, Jesus. Jesus was from the beginning. The whole plan was laid out from the beginning. It's not a blank canvas. It's better than that. The whole point is that it's better than that. Let's give God a little bit more respect and credit than that. He yeah. didn't just lay out a blank canvas and let us mess everything up because why? Because he loves us. Yeah. That would be evil. Letting a bunch of dead people who can do nothing paint a picture. Tell yeah. you what, it would be left blank. Yeah. Let's look at the reality. God is very patient with those who he chooses. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a Christian, he's patient with you. Don't, don't get all freaked out. You know, we're not damning you here. We're just, we're, we're really just encouraging you to believe the truth and follow the spirit because following the flesh is just garbage. You know, why bother? I think people just don't realize that, that that's the truth of it. If not for God's sovereignty, if not for predestination, zero people are saved and actually we, we wouldn't even exist right <laughs> think about that <laughs> we wouldn't even exist so what did god owe us in the first place you know we <laughs> adam and eve made that choice right that that choice to turn away even though they had the spirit of god but there was that caveat as we talk about you know don't eat from that tree and they did that's what humans do they defy god Right. And then we became dead. And uh, so the, so you have this whole creation, dead in sin. But yeah. he saved us. We just read that here. He we... brought life into the world. Humans brought death. Adam and Eve and our own human decisions heap death on us. But he brought life. And we can sit there and we can say, well, why did he set it up that way? And sure, we all have our questions, but then you got to go back to Job and you got to go back to Paul and Romans and the creator has the right. He's the creator. He's sovereign. Not just Job, all of scripture from right. beginning to end. If you look at the context from beginning to end of all scripture, it's in perfect harmony with God's sovereignty. There's no mention of human sovereignty in scripture, not one mention of human sovereignty, and that's what free will is. It's the opposite of God's will. It's your will being sovereign. That's right. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather have God's will. There's a, a huge piece in that. There is a piece like none other in that. Well, since we're on the topic, you know, Paul describes us as either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. And when we were slaves to sin, we couldn't please God. So we were slaves to our to our own evil will. You know, which was not sovereign to God's in any way. There was nothing we could do evil enough to stop God's plan from taking place. Right. And then when he opens our eyes, we are now slaves to his righteousness. And that's where we get eternal security from, because he places us in him and says, I'll never let you go. That it is so freeing. When when we came to realize that, 
man, when I came, I know you realized it before I did. And so speaking for myself, when I came to realize that it is just a piece like none other, there's nothing comparable to knowing that he is in control. I can't yeah. screw anything up. Any good works that I do, they they were prepared in advance and I've done them. And Jesus was praying for you. He said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those you, that the Father gives me. That's right. And so that you can try to manipulate that and say, well, he was only the ambassador of the lost sheep of Israel. And so that's only to the lost sheep of Israel. Or, you know, when he when he said uh, to the to the apostles, it wasn't you that chose me. It's because I chose you something along those lines. And uh, it's not, you know, word for word, but that's he told them, I chose you. That's why you stayed here after I started talking about drinking my blood and eating my flesh. You stayed here because I picked you. He chose you. He created them, though. It's not about hand picking. He didn't set the world into motion and then start picking. You know, I'm, I pick this one because he's. I like the way he looks. I pick this one. It no, before we done it was anything bad or good. Right. It so there was, was no bias, no racism, right. no any kind of uh, favoritism whatsoever, because it was before anything good or bad was done. It was created from the beginning. He created it that way. There's there's nobody on earth that can that can create something the way that God created it. And if yeah. you created a, a, a robot, wouldn't you have the right to destroy that robot as the creator? I mean, you you create it, it wouldn't even exist without you. And so, you know, this sounds like a philosophical philosophical debate here. And uh, and I would agree with uh, some people that uh, preach free will and that it's silly that we're even arguing about this amongst Christians, because we should just believe the Bible when it tells us God is sovereign. It's just that simple. We should believe the Bible when it tells us that it's not anything that comes from us, that we can't do anything apart from Christ and leave it at that. Why do we have to add to that? Why do we have to add something to the message of Jesus? And add that choice. And why do we have to, you know, twist around these scriptures to do so? It's it's crazy. You know, and in in Acts, he says the that all those who were appointed to salvation were saved after after Paul preached this message. And somebody calls that a Jew Gentile passage, going back to the same argument, Jew Gentile passage. So <clears throat> so some kind of magical miracle took place. Everyone who was a Gentile, all the Gentiles he preached to, every single one of them, all of them were saved after that message because of their free will, all of them. No, he was talking about all those who were appointed to salvation were saved. Every one of the people who God chose for salvation were saved. That's that's not a Jew-Gentile passage. It goes along. But, I, but we can tell you what is a Jew-Gentile passage, you know, but also give you the power behind it. John 3.16 is a Jew-Gentile passage. He was letting, he was speaking to the Israelites, letting them know that the whole world would be saved through Jesus Christ, not just the Jews. But then he added in another thing on top of that that's even more amazing. Anyone who believes, whosoever believes and calls on the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. But why? Why, why do some believe and some don't believe? You know, and that's that's what scripture answers for us. It, it tells us these things. God opens our eyes because spiritual things can only be discerned through the spirit. Right. 
That's right. And when we, oh, probably 15 years ago now, when the Lord opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel message, we were really struggling when it came to free will and predestination. Um, We saw predestination. We saw the truth, but so many people uh, we love and admire uh, did not. So there was a struggle there and we kind of, not to mention most of society, at least out where here where we live. Right. Free will is the predominant message and you're you're like kind of like the cast out if you believe in God's sovereignty. And so we're praying about it and praying, oh, maybe I'm wrong. And there's just no way to prove it wrong. You can't go against God's sovereignty in scripture. There's no way. Right. So then we kind of settled on, well, maybe it's just not such a big deal. I mean, um, I'm sure... Most of them, they have a a great handle on grace. They're going to be saved anyway. It's not a big deal Um, because we were worried at first. Oh, is it going to ruin their salvation? Well, that's all up to God anyway. But we've come to learn over the years that God has come to open our eyes further to the fact that free will is a very dangerous message. Because Mm -hmm. like we mentioned before, it opened that door to legalism. It and all stunts of a our sudden, growth. It stunts our spiritual growth. Right. All of a sudden, you're setting aside God's grace here and there more and more. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really something that, like mm-hmm. I said, that's been driving us. So we've gotten this passion like, okay, enough's enough. The full truth needs to come out. There is only one truth in scripture. There yeah. is only one. And and we're you see questions out there constantly when you look at Christian media. It's one of the most popular questions being asked. People are confused about it. But why are they really confused? They're confused because it's called evil when God's sovereign. They're confused because they see God picking and choosing some people, and they're not, he's not picking and choosing th- this person, and they're a good person, and, and this and that. And they're 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 missing the whole point of the world through God's eyes, dead dead in sin there's a bunch of zombies running around and he decides to give them life that's amazing it is and he decides to give some of them life and then decides to leave some of them zombies so that the ones who he gave life can learn from that that's just the fact of the gospel message that's just the fact of of what the creator did we have to accept heaven and hell and you know it's like as humans if I, if, if I was going to think of the perfect uh, Christian doctrine, the one that doesn't offend anybody, it's not free will. It's universalism. It's that Christ died for the whole entire world. Everybody in it, he conquered sin, and everybody that's born now into this world is saved. Yes. Wouldn't that be better from a, from a human fleshy vantage point? That's Isn't that really the best message? Free will is a pretty bad step down from that. You're only saved if your intellect is smart enough to deduce this simple thing and not overcomplicate it. Because if you're too too particular, you're gonna, you're gonna overcomplicate it and miss the easiness of it, and that's just terrible. And you bye bye. Right. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> uh, and if and as you've mentioned too, what about the mentally challenged? What about little children? Yeah. So so man-made rules have had to be put into place, like the age man-made of accountability. Right. Man-made doctrines like the age of accountability and oh God, just he wouldn't send a mentally challenged or a child, you know, to hell. That's which just... becomes sort of a extension of universalism. Right. Everybody's saved up to a certain point. 
and then you got to start thinking a little better. But I mean, let's face it in the flesh, you know, when I look back at my own life, it just jives with scripture. I had no chance. I was not a spiritual being at birth. God had to teach me those things. And if he hadn't taught me those things, I wouldn't have learned them. Why doesn't somebody else take to those teachings? What, why didn't, why did I'm giving you a new heart? There's only one reason that somebody doesn't come to belief because God always achieves his goals. His goals are always achieved. And we just, you know, we can't focus on that. It shouldn't be a focus. You know, we should be, we shouldn't be focused on why people go to hell and why some people uh, go to heaven the, the scripture wants to try to, you know, attempts to make it simple. It's belief. But then we complicate it by trying to make it into a human effort. Right. And and digging into all the bad things about like, well, why do, why would God send somebody to hell? Well, he doesn't. You know, he created a creation that damns themselves quite well without him. It's when he intervenes that good things happen. The whole point is that the creation on its own can do nothing from the beginning of time apart from Christ. We are nothing. And when that caveat was set at the tree, that was just enough because they, they, God allowed them to, to depart, right? But as Christians, now he says he won't allow us to depart. So the, what's the lesson learned? We have something way better than Adam and Eve had. We have something better than the people in the Old Testament had where they were just engaged uh, to the message and could see it from afar. We're living married to Christ, and he picked us for that, and that makes you a royal person. When the God of the universe appoints you to salvation, you are something special. You are now part of his plan. He's given you a new heart that will execute his plans in your life exactly how he wants them to be. And you can watch that unfold. You can embrace that. You can live it. You're going to be given peace by it. And you can you can boast. You can only boast in him. In all hard times. All hard times. You can boast when you're when you're not acting right. You can boast when you feel out of fellowship in him. You can boast in him because he's living in you. And he won't leave you. He will not let any of his father's uh, sheep go. None will be taken from his hand. That's any, not just to the lost sheep of that, Israel. Any that the father gave him. That's not just to the lost sheep of Israel. Just like just like the passage where he wasn't praying for the world wasn't just to the lost sheep of Israel. We have to be fair with these passages. We can't pick which ones we say are only to the lost sheep of Israel. It was to believers. It was to all believers. He was praying for those who would believe. Right. Otherwise, you also have to take that passage away where nobody will take you from your father's hand. That was only to them. That was only the lost sheep of Israel. The Gentile Christians don't get to do that. Right? You start making these rules and you become a hypocrite. And I've heard these rules be broken. I've heard hypocrisy in messages from, from great teachers because the they go off into the flesh, and they're a teacher is only as good as the spirit allows them to be. That goes for me, that goes for Melissa, that goes for anybody who's educated, that goes for anybody who's got high degrees. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have what God gives you, and we we are fully confident in the, the grace that God has given us, just the way the Apostle Paul was fully confident. Why? Because we attribute nothing to ourselves. We see the dividing line there that nothing at all can attribute to ourselves. Zero, zip, zilch. 
That's great. It literally, literally is all Jesus and none of us. That is such a relief. There's so much peace in that. And we were just talking to somebody um, we love very dearly about God's sovereignty. And we were wondering what they might think. They have little children, uh, teenage children. And we were mentioning, um, again, about God's sovereignty. And what was it that she said? How it made her feel? Gives me something to pray for. It gives me hope, right? It gives me hope. It gives me to hope pray and for. something to pray for. That is that God has opened her That's eyes the to the truth to the of what He is, um, what He's given us. There, it's hope. It's something to pray for. It's not um, It's not the opposite. It's not what's so popular um, out there regarding predestination that there mm-hmm. is no hope and what's the point actually it gives you hope mm-hmm. if you look it's at the, the core of, way to have hope the core of free will doctrine and you know you can say it's arminianism versus calvinism but the the core the whole thing behind arminianism was was that you're basically your own god and that's that's what satan wants you to believe that you are in charge of your destiny, that you have this power, you have what God has, right? And if you have the ability within your flesh to choose Christ, to choose life, to choose salvation, uh, you know, I mean, that that sounds a little bit deceiving, doesn't it? Kind of like eating the apple at, at the garden. You know, here, you you have the power. You have the power. And you're deceiving people, telling them, you know, just pray this prayer or all you have to do is just call on the Lord. It's not, I mean, yes, it is that simple in one passage of scripture, but the Apostle Paul wouldn't go into great detail about the gospel and what it is and what it isn't if it didn't matter. It's important to understand what you believe. You don't just, you know, somebody says to be saved, just call on Jesus. And you're like, Jesus, I'm calling, I'm ready. And, and you know what I mean? It's it's not, that's not the formula. It's not possible to call on Jesus without his sovereignty. It's belief it's, it's, and it's belief. And you know, when you have it, you know, when you believe in the finished work of the cross, you know, when you believe that you're, we were raised from the dead with him and that Jesus raised from the dead to give you life. You know, when you believe those things and you know, when God opened your eyes, when you believe in that, you see it, you see it happen. Your eyes are open now. And you're like, how did I get here? This is crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm in this new place, uh, like a newborn infant. You know, how did I get here? I, you know, and you, you can, you can try to say, well, you know, the, you can picture a, a grown up saying, well, you know, when I was first born, I would have to say that I, I was really dedicated to, the camera. Uh, dedicated to to coming out of the womb at that moment and, and 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 from that mother you know and and into that place in the world right i mean that it's it's so eloquently put out there for us it's it's a new birth you know and when you look at it sounds silly when you look at it compared to the the earthly birth yeah we had no say in that yeah and it it's the same with the new birth it's and- yeah. So, I mean, really, when you combine uh, when you combine God's sovereignty with the full gospel message, you know, you, you you put up this barrier for legalism and it just can't make its way in. It's gone. It's non-existent. Right. There's no way to penetrate those walls. 
And that's where the rest is. That's where the peace and the joy and the rest, because we've talked about how it starts now. Mm-hmm. We can look forward to heaven and it's going to be, it's going to completely blow our minds. Yeah. But the rest and the peace and the joy and the the boasting is all in him right now, right here, right now. Yes. Yeah. Where it's at. And it's yeah. like, unlike any other. It truly is. And we should stop calling this a, a Arminian versus Calvinist uh thing. You know, yes, I'm not a Calvinist. Sure. We're not Calvinist. And uh I'm sure a lot of people aren't Arminians. Right. Um, I mean, it's Pauline. These are this is Paul's teaching you know, that we're, that we're going by here. And, you know, Cal, there's a lot of problems with reform theology. They didn't let go a lot of, a lot of things that were legalistic. Uh, but, you know, I'm grateful that we got our Bibles from that area. And those, those guys were brothers in Christ. They just, they were hanging on to some flesh, just like a lot of people are today. At the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not saying don't follow me if you believe in free will. Just I'm challenging you to look closer at it, to try to get some, try to put up that barrier against uh, legalism and pray about it. Spiritually right. put up that barrier against legalism because uh, Joseph, Josephus Arminius was, uh, he was more of a free thinker, more of a, a liberal minded person that tried to think of philosophy while John Calvin was known for his detail in scripture. And so if you look at the five points of Arminianism, they're sloppy and poorly constructed and they have no backing. And the Nicene Council looked at uh, the debate and John Calvin did his homework and laid it all out in scripture and it was declared heresy. But the Arminian followers just didn't want to let up. They just couldn't let it go and had to keep traveling around and peddling that message. And, um, you know, that's, you know, a lot where we get it today. But and and that stemmed from Pelagianism, which was even worse. He basically was saying we're our own gods. And that was a complete heresy because we are in charge of our destiny. But it's all there at the core. Arminius was not that that creative of a thinker. He took Pelagianism and tried to weave a little more scripture into it. But the real people, real uh, the people paying attention and reading the passages weren't falling for it. People being Bereans, huh? Yeah, they they had a council, and at that time, you know, there was a council that had it right as far as that goes. One thing that came from Reformed theology that was definitely good was the um, the doctrines of God's sovereignty, and we shouldn't let that go. You know, we can let some other things go that aren't scriptural, but that. That we should hold tightly to because, uh, you know, there was just some excellent peace in that. You know, if you listen to, if you read like Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will, and uh, you look at the five points of Arminianism, for that matter, let's just look at the opposite. It's it's terrible. And, you know, we'll probably end up having some more information on that because everybody always points at Calvinism. But if you read the five points of Arminianism, it's it's really bad. You know, it's it's you start to look at it like that's not even Christian at all. You know, so we shouldn't be we should we should pay closer attention to that stuff before we go all in with it. You know, if you're not really sure, don't really want to pay attention to it all. Think that this is just over my head. Just focus on the gospel and let those things go then because you'll be better off. You'll be better off just believing scripture than to go deep into this free will doctrine and start falling for the yeast. Right. It should it would be better if it wasn't even a topic of people's doctrine because they would instantaneously know that God is sovereign just by reading scripture. It's a preconceived notion that you have to read scripture under a new lens. 
You know, you have to change your lens. You know, you have to get prepped for free will because you can't just read it the way it looks. <laughs> and and thus it is with mankind always has been, right? Trying to hold on to some little bit of control. And I believe that's a lot of why Paul said this. I do not set aside grace. Yeah. So I think we might have to rename this uh this title and maybe redo our, our grace passages. All, I mean, what we're doing is we're digging in. I mean, this That's is true. how amazing the Bible is. This is one little paragraph and yeah. we're dissecting it and we're digging in. I think you're right. And we're so, Galatians 2.19. That's, That's where we got. <laughs> we got far today. How did we get through all those other passages without talking about this? <laughs> you know what though? This, this is my favorite thing. It's do. been on our hearts. I get so much more out of scripture. I get so much more out. It seems God uh, reveals much more to me when I take it slower. It seems mm-hmm. it sinks in more for me. And I mean, just line by line, there's just, there's so much to, um, there's reasons, there's reasons Paul and the apostles chose the words that they did reason that the Lord, yeah. uh, put things on their hearts. Um, well, the Lord did put these things on their hearts as that's why it's worded the way it is. It, it's actually words have meaning. It, there's a reason yep. it's worded that way. So when you take the time to really take in the words, man, the understanding just seems to come alive Yeah, for me. And we have a lot of fun doing that in the mornings, don't we? Yeah, just, it's, it's amazing to have Bibles, isn't it? You know, I mean, you think of back in the day, they didn't. And most of the people in the churches, from what I understand, were like 80% illiterate. So if they got a letter from Paul, somebody had to read it to them. But they were rejoicing in the truth, nonetheless. Right. They were rejoicing. It said, uh, you know, looking at God's word daily. That would have been whatever they had in the scriptures pointing to Christ. And then whatever stories they had amongst each other because the apostles walked with him. I mean, they were rejoicing in Christ. You know, they, they didn't have to go around and say, uh, this is God's infallible word. Turn to page 19 and this will instruct you. And it's like, no, it's in context. You got to be. You know, you're not you're not preaching God's word if you're not preaching the promise, if you're not preaching Christ, if you're not preaching, you know, the son of God and in uh, his work on the cross. That's his word, you know, and, and that's what you pull from the Bible. If you're not pulling that from the Bible and you're pulling something else, then you're not reading God's word, even if it is a Bible in your hand, are you? <laughs> well, you are very right. We are so lucky to have these Bibles that we can open up. <sighs> Any time we want, any moment. Let's read the passage one more time in closing. Oh, Galatians okay. 2.19, just to Galatians sum up. 2.19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I may live to God. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside God's grace because if righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Nothing. So don't set aside God's grace. That's we're going to look at that as the moral to this message. Do not set aside God's grace for anything. God's grace. There was just one more thing I wanted to add is, that um, along the lines of testing the spirit and being a Berean, which Paul Paul is very careful to warn people. 
-hmm. There are some, as we mentioned before, some very good teachers out there when it comes to having a handle on grace. You can learn so much from them. And they they might have, um, you know, degrees that doesn't that doesn't qualify you. But, um, you know, to it's God who qualifies you to preach his message. But some of them might have degrees. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for some learned people that are preaching some good truth out there. That's right. I consider them brothers. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I just wish that uh, they'd take some correction if they're wrong. That's right. Um, But sometimes we can get hung up on the, the degree or how much we like them or how well they speak and just start believing everything that's said, even if Mm -hmm. something in us, which we know what it is, is the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is saying, Hey, that's not quite right. Yeah. And so I, maybe that's just half the truth. It sounds right, but there's still something missing. Yeah. But, Oh, but I like him so much and he's so smart. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. Just challenge people to take Paul's advice and be a Berean, test the spirit, look for yourself because we do have these Bibles Mm -hmm. right here. Everybody if you don't have one, it's so easy to get one or it's on your phone. I mean, yeah. look for and be yourself. comforted, be comforted by it. Because if you know you're one of his, you know, be at peace with that and uh, follow your heart. If this message is poking at you, take a look, take a closer look at the topic. Right. You know, and it'll, it'll, it's guaranteed to bring you peace once you understand it. You know, it's it's a heavier topic, as as we said, you know, you, you take away you. You know, the, the 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 amazing doctrine of universalism where everybody you see in the world is going to go to heaven. That's great. But there's there's no just God involved in that doctrine. That's the problem. And it's not in the scripture. And that's only if, if God was just going to have a heaven wide open to to any evil person, that's not heaven. So there's a reason that the architect created things this way. And there's a reason that we're living in this life and that we and the even greater reason he gave us Christ. He's teaching us. He's teaching us for the next life. Right. And that when we have the new body and when we're, you know, cleansed of this disease that's, you know, tries to infect our perfect uh, body, you know, our perfect hearts, but it never will. And, uh, you know, we, we are going to fall asleep one day, as scripture says, but we'll never die. You know, we're never going to die. And so the, that's, that's the good news. That's the good news. It's good news for those who are being saved and bad news for those who are perishing. The scripture teaches us that. So there's good news and there's bad news, but for you, the Christian, you have good news and you can, you can share the good news with people. You have that ability. And, and uh, I encourage you though, to pray to, uh, for God to open their eyes and don't hold yourself in high regards as the evangelizer that made it all happen. Because uh, because we need the spirit. We need God to do those things. Don't don't start holding holding the flesh in too high of a regard. You yourself are a new creation and you are amazing. You are. And that's inspiring to teach a message like that. You have a new heart. You are a new creation. Self is not bad. But why is the self good now? Why is yourself good? And it's because of God. Maybe so because. don't don't take uh, uh, t- don't take that too far. And the apostle Paul said, don't, uh, something along the lines of not, uh, thinking too highly of yourself because God distributes faith to each one as he pleases, basically in so many words. So always remember where your faith came from. And that's what keeps us humble. That's a key to take away. 
because you can't remain humble if you start thinking too much of yourself. Amen. You can't. It starts to turn into flesh. There's a there's a fine line there. Be proud of yourself in Christ. Be proud of the work Christ has done in you. Be proud of the new creation in Christ. But don't take pride in the flesh. And there yes. there's a fine line there between flesh and self. And you know if if you're gonna you know you just got to be careful. There is all I'm saying. Remember who the self came from. Before yes. you take any pride, any pride in that self that you've been given. And once again, as Paul said, if you take any, if you're taking pride in yourself, you're setting aside grace. As Paul said, do not set aside grace. Yeah. That's the yeah. maybe the takeaway for today here, huh? Absolutely. So today, uh yeah, we went uh we went into one passage and we have a lot more to go. So stick around and uh, That's be encouraged. You know, That's all, all you Christians out there that love the gospel, we love you right back. So, you know, don't feel abandoned if something that we're saying isn't jiving with you, if you're having a hard time understanding it, if you're still struggling, thinking that God has to be evil for some reason, if he's sovereign. Let's be patient with each Pray other. Let's it. be patient and not divide over this message. Okay. I, I just want everybody to know that I'm not trying to divide anything. I just want to encourage people. And I think we I think this is a topic that should be able to be talked about amongst Christians peacefully, personally. It should. I and I was gonna say, I don't think it should be considered a heavy topic. It's simply truth that's in scripture. It's just become that way because it's yeah been given a bad rap because man's holding on they want to set aside that grace for that moment well it's just like legalism you have to unravel all that stuff you know so we have to unravel that view that god is evil we, we have to unravel that you know spiritually spiritually god can do that for you but i didn't come to the this conclusion on my own i had to pray about it because i did think god that was an evil god because of what i had been taught and it was my flesh that was thinking that because once the once the spirit revealed the truth in scripture every time i go back my flesh always wants to challenge god's sovereignty well no there's got to be something with me there's got to be something with me but that's that's the demons telling us that there's nothing with us there's nothing you know that the flesh contributed the flesh contributed nothing salvation is god's and his alone and he gave that to us as a full gift the grace the faith you know Grace alone, uh, by faith alone, all of it, a gift from God, as, as, as is said in Ephesians. Both of those things are the gift. He gave it to us, and we got it. That's, That's all we did is have it given to us. <laughs> That's not really much of anything. <laughs> That's not even an action. <laughs> so anyhow, um, you know, waking up to grace, full grace, nothing in its place. Hopefully, uh Hopefully this uh, full grace message uh, blew your doors back off in a good way, you know, just an explosion of goodness. And, and you know, I really pray that it, it, it reaches you guys. And, you know, we, we want to give God's sovereignty a good name again. We want to bring that back. And, you know, don't worry. Everything's not going to be about this topic alone because the gospel, the salvation is the most important critical topic. And, and we do uh, we do plan to stay very much on that topic, but this pertains to the gospel. You'll find that this, this... this is what we have found spiritually to be the other half of the gospel when you get closer to grace. When you Which start understanding grace, 
you know, this is the other part of it. Which is why we, I believe God gave us such a passion to give it back its good name because it is the other part. So grace teachers often, you'll hear him say that the other half of the gospel is the resurrection, the life that Christ gave us. And they're dead on. You know, if you, if you, if you only understand the forgiveness of the cross and don't move on to the spiritual life and uh, don't realize that it's Christ working in you, there's nothing. But then when you get to that point where Christ is living in you, there's another part yet. And it's God's sovereignty. It's, it's, it's the realization of how this all came to be. How you came to be born again is a, is an excellent, excellent topic to bring you peace. And that's why we can't stop talking about it because we love it. How you came We love it. We're not brought down by this. This is an evil. It's We're not evil people. We're rejoicing in this message. And so nobody, don't call it evil. This is good. God is great. I'm not proclaiming myself. I'm proclaiming God here. God is great. Right. And amen. I say, amen. <laughs> yes. And I have to say, you said the the way we came to be is good news and great. And it is. And it's also God's sovereignty is also about moving forward yep. where your life is going, where it's headed. And that's the other part of the piece. Yeah. And where is it headed? The man, man's mind plans his way, but the, the Lord, Lord directs, directs his steps. steps. And I think that's a great visual of what's going on. You think, well, how can it not be me? My mind is planning this way. Right. But all the while you're planning, the Lord is directing and you know, your, your heart inside of you, it's almost like a prophetic view of, of what we have in Christ in, in a lot of ways. You know, they didn't have a clear view of God's sovereignty in the old Testament, the way we do now. I mean, God's sovereignty is everything that we have in Christ. It's the heart. It's the new creation. It's I'm never going to let you go. We have such a clear handle on that. But then we let it go at this invitation. And you have to accept the invitation willingly and willfully and intellectually. And, uh, you know, that's that's just, uh, you know, that's setting aside grace. It doesn't jive with the gospel. It doesn't jive with scripture. That's right. So... I think that's about enough on that awesome topic. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have another, uh, another extravaganza, another, uh, another talk about God's radical love, because that's radical. That's radical love. When, when he created you for love, he created you for that very reason. That's wild. Let's not make light of that. Amen. Amen. So if you guys want to, <laughs> if you want to learn more, uh, you know, please check out our website at wakinguptograce.com. We're, uh, you know, on YouTube. If you like Rumble, we're on Rumble. We try to be on uh, video platforms out there and just recently started dabbling with Facebook and Twitter. So, you know, if you guys uh, like the message, check us out on those platforms, please, you know, and, uh, you know, we're uh, we're newer to those. So you can support us and keep the movement going. That's that's you know, that's that's what we would uh, ask of you if you if you'd be so kind as to do so. That's right. And if you have any questions or want to comment, um, yeah, anything we can pray for you. We're here to help. Out. We'll do all we can spiritually to help. Church, right? As your dad Amen. said, we are the church, the body of Christ here. Amen. So let's uh, signing out and uh, you guys have a good day out there. And uh, those in Christ, uh, we, we, uh, we, you are already blessed. We don't even have to say God bless but habitually, sometimes we do. You are blessed. 
You are one of his, and that's an amazing thing. So you guys enjoy the day out there in Christ. Amen. Amen.